Hello, and welcome to episode 1125 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday the 13th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, have you had a spooky day? I, You know what? I'm so tired today. I was telling you I was up till 3.30 doing my second base projections in kind of anticipation of this episode. Um, and it just I, hit you? It, this is the first I've thought about the fact that today is the third. I've been doing paperwork all day, putting dates on shit. Um, and I, this is the first time I've thought that f- about the fact that it is Friday 13th. Spooky. It is rainy and gloomy here. So watch out fits. for Jason. Don't be hanging out in the woods, man. He'll come. Oh, have you seen the Justin Mason Jason shirt? Of course I have. Oh, perfect. I got perfect. it for Christmas. So um, from uh, uh, Danielle, or actually for my kids. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I love that. I like That's that a lot. And like with the mask and the mm-hmm. and the way he does the art, that fits too perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it is fitting though, right? Because uh, second base is a bit spooky. And uh, we're going to talk about it. And it's really spooky at the top. The opposite of first base. You and I couldn't stop gushing over the top eight or so first basemen. On Monday's episode, we really, really like those couple of top tiers there. We're trying to get multiple guys out of there. Second base, not so much. So let's just go ahead and dive in. We do have the same guy. Num- well, actually, you have somebody else listed, number one, but you literally have a tie at the top. So we'll just talk about my guy who's number one that is tied for your number one spot. That's Marcus Semyon. And I do like him. I did put him number one confidently. But how concerned are you about the home road split he had a minus 209 point ops split at home putting him under 700 there and i will tell you i I ran the numbers um i lopped off those first 44 games when he didn't hit a homer to see if maybe it tightened up it did a bit but it was still a 186 point split with a 721 at home and a 907 on the road so even if you give him a full free pass for that first month and a half when he was really adjusting and, and not doing so well, Semyon still has a severe home road split. We know Globe Life plays tough. Are you concerned about that at the top with Marcus Semyon? No, not really. I mean, what is Marcus Semyon but just a workhorse? An accumulator, I mean, yep. I mean, that's, that's where he derives a ton of his value from is just showing up and playing every damn day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got he's had uh, four straight uh, 700 plus play appearance seasons. Obviously, if you exclude the 2020 season, um, where he you know still played just a crap ton of games in that season, like he just shows up every day and plays. And uh, you know, it's kind maybe, of our Hunter Pence, right, of this era. Obviously, yeah. different positions, but same kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Ho- hopefully, he doesn't have like the end of career kind of injury issues. Yeah, uh, the, that the health said, collapse. But, I, th- I think that had a lot to do with just like how unorthodox like Harder Pence's mechanics were. Everything um, he did. Everything he did was just weird looking. Uh, I love him. Still my spirit animal. Right oh, now, yeah. He's Pence. great. He's great. Uh, so, uh, actually, yeah, I mean, if I was to get a jersey, you and I were talking about jerseys before this, uh, uh, that'd be a good would one. Be, that'd be on the top of my list for sure. Big video game nerd, too. Him and his, him oh. and his wife. Um, nice. I don't know if they still stream or do YouTube, but they they have done that in the past. So, yeah. It's just, fo- it's just started following him on TikTok. He's pretty funny there, too. That's so. awesome. I, I really like Pence. But yeah, Semyon, you know, he is an accumulator. That, and sometimes that's used as a negative term, you know, and I understand to a degree because of the fact that it can go like it can really hurt then if that that player misses time but yeah. he has certainly shown like you said with four straight 700 plus plate appearance seasons Semyon has shown that he, he's very healthy whatever he's doing to keep himself 
you know, uh, ready to go every day is good. Doesn't guarantee it for the future, especially as you get into his 30s. But he has that power, the speed. Everyone knew that the 45 homers from 2021 was a high water mark. Yeah. Um, we didn't expect 44 games of zero homers with Texas. He was coming up on waiver wires. And I can say, without any hindsight uh, being 2020, that I never advocated dropping for him, though, because no. I just. I just believed in him too much. And even though it was really difficult, I just had to see it out. I had him on two teams myself, never considered dropping him, including one of which was a shallower league too, but I couldn't do it. You were rewarded if you held the course, 26 homers, 25 steals. You do have him tied with his division and state mate, Jose Altuve, dead even at $19.10 value each. Um, with Altuve being around cheaper, does that mean that you're you're putting a little bit of a target on him then? Um, just real quick on Semyon before we move on yes. to Altuve, though. Uh, his BABIP on at home was 224, BABIP on the road, 302. So maybe I there's think, some regression. Okay. I, I think they, those things meet in the middle a little bit, um, and he's better on, better at home this year than he is or than he was in, in 2022. So um, to Altuve, uh, yeah, I am. I'm targeting Altuve in a lot of different places. Uh, I, I feel like people – didn't notice just how good he was in 2022, especially with stolen bases coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously he's not like prime elite Altuve. Otherwise he'd be going in the first round, but I feel like he's still a little bit undervalued right now. So I'm going to pass up on Simeon most times uh, to get Altuve in the next round. Cause I mean, like I said, I have exactly the same in terms of dollar values uh, and you can get in a little bit later. Yeah, you just take that little discount there, and uh, you're not getting as many steals, but you can you can plan for that with other picks anyway. And uh, it's not that I'm too far apart on them either. Altuve is my number two very easily. I like them both up there. And again, they're about a round apart on the picks there. 31 uh, ADP for Semyon since the in the last six draft champions drafts, 44 for Altuve. So if you can get that discount there, Altuve is still great. What do you think about the steals? He was 18 for 19. It came out of nowhere. And this is why I'm reluctant to bury guys that have shown steals in the past because they are so player dependent. I'm not saying I knew he was going to steal. I'm not trying to take any sort of credit on that. But I didn't say that he was a, a, a dead, you know, single-digit guarantee just because he's done it in the past. And when they're healthy, the guys will spike back up. Are you thinking that he can maybe get double digits again for Altuve with the new rules and everything? Where where are you on his steals? Obviously, I know where you are because I can see your your sheep. Yeah. But let, let the listeners know how you feel about his steals output. I mean, you can't bank on uh, on eighteen again. Obviously, like he's gonna take a step back, or at least you have to project him to take a step back and hope that anything you get on top of wherever you project them, probably high or low double digits. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I projected him for 12. So anything on top of 12 is gravy, but larger bases means there's reasons why like teams should run. And the Astros were a lot more apt to let their guys run last year uh, than in previous seasons. So uh, yeah, I'll, I think 12 is a, is a, is a fairly safe kind of conservative number after, you know, 18, he could easily go back down to five or six, though. Sure. Like I put him for 11. And it really, any time that you're projecting somebody in the low double digits, you have to be ready for three to five. Mm -hmm. Like it, 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 It's that range of outcomes there. One little lower half injury that lasts for two, three months for Altuve, and he stops running type of deal. Like You just got to be prepared for it. You're drafting him for average, solid pop, and a ton of runs. 
and then everything, you know, the, the ribbies and the steals be, be modest in your expectations. And then if he spikes something, you'll take it. Uh, you know, he had 83 ribbies in 2021 and then the 18 steals in 2022. So he's, he's spiked on both of those categories um, in different years, the last two years with Altuve, but he's the firm number two uh, tied for number one for you, but firm number two in the ADP with the next guy going also uh, about five, six, seven picks later, it's jazz Chisholm jr. You're not so sold though. That 60 game surge last year, not exactly uh, selling you on Jazz Chisholm Jr. because you've got him as your sixth guy at second base. Talk to me a bit about that. What are your main concerns? Does it does it hinge solely on the batting average, or are you also still worried about the runs ribbies concerns, which I would totally get in, in Miami? Or do you also have any power speed concerns? Those are supposed to be the bankables, though. What do you think about Jazz Chisholm Jr.? You got him down at six, which doesn't mean you hate him, but you are off the market. Yeah, I mean, I, it's obviously not power speed. I I think one, first and foremost, is he's a huge injury risk. Um, you know, he just has not been able to stay on the field for a complete season yet. Um, you know, he came close in 2021, but last, last year, uh, you know, only 60 games. Uh, we know that when he is on the field, he is going to hit homers and steal bases and mm-hmm. look damn good doing it. Yeah, he's um, swaggy as hell. But uh, that being said, like he had like a 77.8 zone uh, contact percentage, uh, you know, almost 14% swing strike rate last year, uh, you know, swings outside the zone about a third of the time. Like, these are not great numbers for a good batting average. And then you have the concerns, like you've already mentioned, about the Marlins just sucking offensively. Like, that offense looks bad, like really bad. Um, yeah, and, and they just traded away Rojas. Not that Rojas was going to be much offensively necessarily, but it just got worse. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I I can't pay the price where he's going, especially with injuries. If, if I felt really comfortable he was even going to get to the 500 plate appearances, I projected for him, I'd probably end up having him a little bit higher. But the fact that I think that there's a reasonable chance he plays half a season, and maybe that half a season is great, and with replacement value, value will be fine. Sure. Um, I just I don't like putting replacement value into my you know equations because replacement value for every single league is different. Exactly. Um, it's always hard to get a read on it. Obviously, you can get a general read based on your league type, but especially with rankings, it's tough. And again, you haven't tanked him. You have Jazz Chisholm Jr. at six, so it's not like you're saying, yeah. don't draft him, never consider him, because he could fall a little bit, and at the at closer to his max pick, he might be around that 5-6 range. But the market is still pretty hot on him, and he's going to have his believers. And I guarantee you that as we get into spring – he starts clubbing a few homers jazz is one of those guys that's definitely going to move up boards as people get excited about him again i can definitely see that let's talk yeah. about a favorite of the show ozzy albies did you expect a bigger discount on the washout 2022 because he's the fourth guy off the board at pick 56 that is cheaper than it was last year but i, I guess i was just wishful thinking and hoping that that people would kind of move off of him but i guess that 30 20 season is not too far in the rear view in 2021 so people are still excited about our boy ozzy uh, but did you expect a bigger discount for him it's not that i expected a bigger discount i think the discount is actually fine i guess i didn't expect second base to be so bad at the top 
that's what it that's really what it is right like is there's that there weren't no guys to take his rounders. spot yeah like there's no first or second rounders at the position um and i think that that fact alone means he stays higher up because there's just not as much uh things to love yeah like, you're right that that's exactly yeah. what it is more than more than anything else because again it is it is a discount um he was and the, what, and the 30 discount. last year and the discounts will grow as starting pitchers start to go up. So, like, True. he's 46 right now, but by the time we get to drafts in March, uh, it's going to be, like, you know, 50 or 60. So um, take that all day. Yeah, I'm going to take that all day. I mean, I have him less than a dollar uh, cheaper or or, or uh, earn it, projected earn about a dollar less than both Altuve and Yeah, Simeon, you got him right so. there. He, he's your uh, Albies is your number three. He's my number five. Um, and I, I'm not out on him or anything either. You know, I still got 23 homers, 14 steals, 95 runs, 85 ribbies. So I'm still very excited about Albies. Um, and you're right. You know, it is still a big discount. It is two rounds. That's pretty big. I think a lot of people, understandably, are giving him a pass for the 64 game, unimpressive run there with the injury. And they're expecting something to come back. But second just doesn't have a lot here at the top. Our next guy up, uh, we're already at pick 77 with Tommy Edmond. I actually didn't put anything on the sheet for him. We'll talk about him at shortstop. Um, and then Trevor Story, of course, is currently sitting at six. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Things open up after Tommy Edmond now instead of after Trevor Story. They open up quite a bit. Now, there's a guy we're going to talk about in a second who we both really like. Oh, wait, actually, yeah, we'll talk about him first. Then we'll talk about it opening up. Andres Jimenez. We both like him. He had a great breakout season last year. Is there more power to the bat? Um, he hit 17 last year. You have him down for, I think, 17 again. No, 16. I have him for 18 homers. So neither of us are projecting it. But do you see a path to more power? Or do you just see more of the same, which would, of course, net another wonderful season from Andres Jimenez? Uh, no, I don't really see a path to more power. Um, you know, I, I projected, I think, uh, the same amount of home runs. Oh, no, one less home run. One, yeah, one one under uh, the 17 from last year for Jimenez. But I also – oh, I guess I, guess I didn't project it. Oh, no, I did project him to have more plate appearances. So it's actually, like, less homers per plate appearance um, than uh, than he had in 2022. I think he got lucky in terms of power. Like, the power isn't, isn't prodigious. I don't think it – I mean, unless we have a juice ball thing and then everybody's power is up – um, I think that's the only but way. We can't know that, of course. Yeah. Um, I think that's the only way him as like hits for more power than he did last season. I think last season is probably the high watermark. What I do think he can do is steal more bases. Um, and especially, you know, even just throwing out the fact that the, the bases are bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's going to get more plate appearances because you remember at the beginning of the season, his role wasn't really guaranteed. Yep. It was, you know, it was. I, I was hoping, you know, I was like thinking, oh, I think this is this is the time for Andres Jimenez to get a full time role uh, and and kind of run with it. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, but I think now he's got that full time role. There's nothing that's standing in his way of it, as long as he doesn't like fall apart or get injured. And so I think he can steal more bases uh, just because he'll have more time on those bases. So I like I think him you're right. a lot. Um, and you were in on him last year. I was late to the party, but I did jump on this year, you know, just watching him play a lot, 
Really impressed with his game. Definitely believe in a lot of what he did. We both have batting average regression penciled in from the mm -hmm. 297, but that, that didn't really take him down our boards. Um, I have him six. You have him five. So we still quite like Andres Jimenez, and I agree that the steals upside is definitely there, even if they weren't changing things with the board, uh, with the bases and the uh, pitch clock and the throwover rules. What about this, though? What if he wears a judge jersey to get the mm. juice balls? Would that then help him in as his power? I don't know that he's tall enough to pull that off, but ah, that's a good I mean, point. I think that's I the think only flaw in that plan. If if you are a young player and you want some juice balls, change your number to ninety nine. Just hope MLB is colorblind. Um, so boom and height blind. Yeah, exactly. I like uh, just go for it. Out. I mean, you know, Rob Mar Rob Banford's barely watching any baseball anyway, oh, yeah. right? No, he's going to see ninety nine and be like, "Oh, throw some juice balls and get the juicers in there." Uh, I I don't know that he would be this high again um, if it not for how bad second base is at the top. I, I'm going to keep mentioning this, uh, especially because uh, this is like the last guy. Uh, well, no, the next guy's the last guy. Uh, no, 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 no. This is the really? last guy, and then it opens way up, and then some there, people... There's huge red flags for the rest of the group. And like then it's just... some people get a little insane with the next pick. What? Others are insane. a little bit more measured. Yeah, do you know who your number seven is? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm about to... Oh, I, I, I was talking about my number four. Oh, who's your number four? We haven't talked about Tommy Edmund yet. Oh, I know. I said, we'll skip him. He's going to oh, be... Okay. I didn't write anything up for him. He's going to be in shortstop. Oh, okay. Okay. so on the ADP, um, it goes about six deep, which was including story. Now he's off to the side. So I think it goes, it still goes six deep. So move Jimenez up there and then it opens way up at that point. Jimenez is at 89 ADP in the last six draft champions. The next second baseman is Glaber Torres at pick 124, a 35 pick split. That's not who your number, who your next guy is. Your next guy, you crazy human being, is Tyro Estrada. He is your seventh second baseman. And look, he had an awesome year last year. That was really, really fun. If anyone picked him up, or not anyone, of course, someone picked him up. Whoever picked him up got such a boon there. We are nowhere near each other. I have him 30th at the position. Whoa! You have him 7th. I have him for 9 homers, 17 steals, and a 251 average for Tyro Estrada. You Wait, have him for ha se nine. How many? 9 you homers. Have, no, no, stolen bases. Um, 17. Oh, okay. I thought you said 7. I was like, No, no, what? the same, same number you do. We match on oh, the, okay. on the right. steals. Our big difference, of course, is the homers. Um, even the batting average. We're only 8 points apart. And, and probably a little bit of runs, ribbies different. Actually, a decent bit. I have 61 runs, 59 ribbies. You're at 71.66. I don't believe in the Tyro Estrada power. Uh, clearly, I have him down for nine. Yeah. You talk about somebody maxing the way you said with Jimenez. I'm curious why you don't see it similarly for Tyro here, that he kind of just got the most out of his modest power hitting 14. You've got him for more. Now, obviously, that might just be the same rate extrapolated over more plate appearances because you do have him for 593 plate appearances, and he had 541 last year. But um, I think you got to explain yourself a little bit because you're way ahead of the market as well. Tyro Estrada is the 10th second baseman off the board. So I'm actually still way behind. I, I will say that. 
but I was still stunned that you had him seventh. Even though it's only three spots above ADP, you also have to consider that he is 172 ADP, and the seventh uh, second baseman right now is 89th. And that doesn't mean that you would take him 89th, but there's a large gap there, and you've got him up there. Sell me on your boy Tyro Estrada. I'm 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 all ears here. I'm listening. All right. So I do have to say, looking at it now, um, I think I need to take away some home runs. Okay. Um, not a ton necessarily. But yeah, there's still a hell of a lot of room. But yeah, I'm thinking more like 14. Okay, uh, which is what he hit last year. So you believe yeah. at least in what he did. So I'm a little suspect even on that. But I'm I'm doing in more plate appearances. So like I think that like obviously I don't think he's gonna keep up quite like the amount of homers per plate appearance. He's going to play every day. I know the Giants are very platoon happy, but he he is kind of the everyday second baseman and then the utility infielder. He's going to be the guy that spells other guys in other positions, but also plays second base every day when he's not doing that. Do you um, agree with um, the leadoff spot that, that roster resource has for him? I he batted five, that, six, seven last year primarily. I think and, that's going to rotate, honestly. I okay. think it's really going to depend on matchups and things like that. I think he could get time there um, because they don't have a true leadoff guy true. Uh, at this point. Uh, and he, he's a guy that he doesn't really profile as a true leadoff guy, so I'm a little surprised that they would choose him. But like you think about that roster and you go, who is the true leadoff guy? Um, Yaz because he gets on base. Like it's a little unconventional because he's more probably. like a power guy. And I know he only hit 214 last year, but he has an 11% walk rate. Yeah. I mean, maybe they could do Jock against Jock, righties. I, yeah. As I was say, Jock on the strong side. So um, what about Lamont Wade again on the strong side? Didn't he lead off a decent bit when he broke out in 21? I think or he my, hit my mostly third or fourth. Um, oh, okay. Well, we have him pretty low then on roster yeah. resource. No, he, he batted a lot of leadoff. Uh, oh, yes. Um, the last two seasons, he beat 61 games of leadoff in 21, 41 games last year. But he struggled a lot leading off last year. 202, 308, 336. This mm -hmm. is Lamont Wade we're talking about here. Um, so maybe, maybe they are open to rotating. Maybe that's why Jason over at roster resource – thought better of putting somebody else up there and went with Estrada who did pretty well. I'm also pretty concerned about that split. He's got a righty lefty split. That's pretty severe. 674 OPS against righties, uh, 834 against lefties for Estrada. He had seven homers against each side. And of course that's 200 more plate appearances helping him match the same Homer total. I don't know. I just, it was a good year. I like pieces of it. I, I agree with the speed. I, I put him for another 17 stolen bases. Um, he had 21 last year, so I'm a little bit low on that. But even if I gave him 21, it would only move him up a handful of spots. I got him for nine homers, though. I just don't buy the power, uh, even the power that he displayed last year. He had a 139 ISO and got 14 homers out of that. I think that's like some, some nice distribution. I, I just dropped him uh, to 14 home runs. And what did that take him? It did not move him down. Really? Yeah. Oh, because you have a whole... It moved, it moved him closer to the next guy on the list. Which is India for you, right? Yeah. But okay. It, 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 uh, it moved him down like a full dollar in terms of his... Uh, uh, in terms of his value, but mm -hmm. it did not move him below Jonathan India. Dang. Okay, so you know we, we have a disagreement there on Estrada. Like I said, I've got him way lower. It's, it's all the power there. That... that I, I could 
I could give give a little bit on the runs rubies, especially if he's anointed the leadoff hitter. I will definitely move those two, or at least the runs up from six. And I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't even super aggressive on the runs rubies because I know how bad the Giants are going to be. Mm-hmm. Only have him for seventy one runs and sixty six RBIs. The thing about him is, is he produces in all five categories. Like he is, yep. he doesn't give you a zero anywhere. He doesn't like give you any real other than stolen bases. Doesn't give you a major plus anywhere. But, but he does everything, and he he's does dual a little bit of everything. Yeah, and he's dual eligible, which is always nice. Yeah, second and short. So I might, I might tweak him a little bit, especially seeing. I, I don't think I yeah, saw the. Way too low. I don't think I saw the penciled in for because I, I also it's not just the homers. 61.54 for my runs ribbies is pretty low uh, because he was 71.62 last year, batting 5.67. Mm-hmm. So if he does move up, plays every day, which I do have him for. This is not a play, t- playing time uh, issue. I got him for 550 plate appearances. It's a, a big power cut, which I'm not going to move up too much. I might give him two more homers, move him to 11. Um, it's the runs ribbies, though. I could probably get him into the upper 20s, which is still going to be a split between us, but I'm going to reassess on him uh, for sure. But let's talk about Max Muncy. The yeah. average, we talked about it a little bit um, in the last episode. He didn't qualify at first base anymore, but we were just talking Dodger stuff. He averaged 31 homers per 500 plate appearances from 2018 to 2021. Am I out of pocket for putting 33 homers in 591 plate appearances? Because you've only got him for 26 in 585. And we did talk about him getting back to being himself last year am i too aggressive that uh that max muncie's back back though no i think really anything i think you're on the high end of his projection and i'm on the low end of his projection. yeah it, it, and, there is definitely a range there i would agree with that yeah because the way i looked at it was from august 1st on last year he was max muncie he had yes. 12 home runs in that those two months he hit 250 and so it's like, okay, well, that, you know, if you expect him to kind of do that over the course of a full season next year, that probably puts him at a 250 batting average with 30 home runs. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I, what I ended up doing was saying, I'm going to kind of throw in a little bit of time missed because he's coming off of the injury and he never got it fixed. Right. So this mm-hmm. is just a rest. Well, it was. I mean, he didn't even really rest, but and he's, uh, and he's never reached 600 point appearances either for months. Yeah, even in these great seasons, you're looking at 565, 592, 589 are his three highs right now for months. He's also um, not playing on the like juggernaut. Yeah, that's Dodgers what we're talking about Monday. Teams. Yeah, so like I didn't have like the runs and RBIs probably as high as that's where I'm too high. Yeah, 94, 93 is what I. Oh played. yeah, I just the team's not good enough to do that. I, I think that's definitely fair. He did it in 2021, but as we highlighted, that's that's not the team that that he's on right now. I am going to lower that. Um, so I projected him for 26 home runs. I could easily, if he's looking good in spring training, move that up closer to 30. I don't know that I'm going to go over 30 just because I don't expect him to get to you know 600 plate appearances or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but. Yeah, I don't have necessarily a problem with your ranking of the of the power. I do, yeah, I do think you should cool it a little bit. On yeah, the I went pretty aggro, season. and that is the high end projection. That what goes what do you batting average wise on him? Two forty five. Okay, and I'm at two forty. So okay, yeah, so negative. we're not too far there. And you you went a little more conservative route on the power, but I'm just too aggro on the runs ribbies. I gave him kind of full full confidence there so uh okay 
cool. I will adjust that. I think he'll come, come down a little bit. We are in lockstep here. We both have the market severely overvaluing Vaughn Grissom by a lot. His ADP puts him as the 12th second baseman off the board. You've got him 23rd. I've got him 26. Warn the people of our Vaughn Grissom concerns, please. I love Vaughn Grissom. And yes, we both I, like him as a, as a real player. Let's just yeah. be clear on that. But if I was the manager of uh, of the Braves and I didn't care about defense because who cares about defense? I'd be <laughs> like, you're going to give this kid 600 plate appearances and we're going to see what he can do. Uh, I can't project him for that. One, he's projected to hit ninth. Two, yes, his defense is bad, like really bad. Um, and like I don't know how they let him play every day with that issue, especially when you've got Max Freed and other ground ball pitchers on this roster. You're gonna that, say Max Freed would play shortstop. Yeah, Max Freed could play shortstop, probably better than Von Grisham. Um, like you need guys who can get to difficult ground balls and Grisham's not that dude. I worry that even like, I think I projected him for around 500 plate appearances and um, yeah, 507. And I worry that that's too aggressive. Yeah, I only did 445. And I think you're probably closer. Um, and I, you know, I mean, at this point, Orlando Garcia may cut into that playing time or they may bring someone else in. Elvis yeah. Andrews is still on the market. Yep. Other guys, you know, uh, you know, they could make a trade at some point. So I like Grisham as a concept, but as a fantasy a year manager, early. yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's a year early for the market. I gotta see, I gotta see a full year here, see what's going on. I totally agree with you on the defense at short. Um, he had negative five uh, outs above average, mostly at second base, by the way, which is an easier position. And he didn't play that much to get minus five. That's pretty tough. And then his arm strength. Uh, which they now have a rating for arm strength on baseball savant was 10th percentile. So, you know, I know that Orlando RC has not given anybody the warm and fuzzies uh, as far as like a fantasy option or anything, or even if you're a Braves fan, but I think he's a capable enough shortstop that he's going to cut into that time. If they don't bring in anybody, you brought up the name Elvis Andrews, who's still out there. I could totally see them reuniting with Andrews. Um, and I do say reuniting because uh, remember, he was a prospect. Did he ever play with them in the majors? No, I don't he was so, no. no, he was in the Teixeira trade. That's right. But he was a prospect with them many moons ago, and it's a whole new front office. I, I, I mean reuniting pretty loosely. But yeah, he was traded from them all the way back in 2007. That could be an interesting fit there, unless they just deem Grissom ready. But I, I don't think so. And I think the market is way too high. Even if someone would want to make the case that we're a little too low. Um, I, I would listen to it. I, I don't necessarily agree, but I don't think anyone would be able to sell me on him being the 12th second baseman off the board. There's no. no chance I'm taking him. Our Jonathan India split comes down to runs and ribbies. Like the, everything else is pretty much in lockstep, but we do have a decent enough split because of the runs ribbies. You have him eighth. I have him 13th, about a $4 difference in value. Are you sure he's going to be able to score 85 runs on that team? Yes. Sell me. Okay, so you, you didn't say this, um, but on your rundown, you're like, Brandon Drew only had, like, what, 60-something? Yeah, 62. So I did the math, and if you go month by month, I, I, it I comes out to 20, in 23 and a half. He was traded in August. I know, I know. You give him 23 and a half for the last two months, and he has 101 and a half run scored. And maybe I'm too low. 
And he's a much better, he being India is a much better OBP guy. And I thought you were going to double whammy me and throw my Will Myers love at me and say, well, if Mm -hmm. you love Will Myers so effing much, who do you, who the hell you think he's going to drive in all the time? So I was waiting for the Drury and the Myers thing to be thrown back at me, which uh, I I think I understand there. And I like India and I like his on base. I got him for 80. I got him for 83. So it must be the ribbies actually. If we're that close on runs. It's, it must be the ribbies, 70 versus 62. That's only eight. Why are we so why are we relatively far apart when the projections are pretty damn close here? You have 19 homers to my 18, 257 average to 260. We're not. No, we're far really apart. not, but but it's a four dot my my valuation put them at 524. Oh, you know what it might be? Did you, if you didn't make any changes to the league setup? page at the front there i've been messing with that a little bit with the standing gain points factors Mm -hmm. and that's probably what did it so we actually don't really have a difference on india and uh yeah you're right you have to project him for 100 runs now you sold me on that yeah yeah runs for india well let's talk about the injury then um let's actually have a little bit more serious convo on india he did have an injury flame out last year only 103 games wasn't great when he was playing um you know did not live up to the rookie of the year hype but it looks like we're both ready to buy back in because we have damn near equal projections. Is he is he a bit of a value in the market? Uh, and do you not carry concerns from last year's injury? I mean, I think you have to when someone misses as many games as he did, in, you know, in 2022 and only played 103 games. He has to be a little concerned on India, but because it, it was a double hamstring, it was the hamstring yeah. twice that put him on the IL. Same hamstring. So. It sounds like the Reds aren't super concerned. I was reading some stuff that the manager said that I moved him off of second base, that they expect him to be completely healthy heading into spring training, um, that they're excited for his potential. Like, you know, now that may be coach speak, but I also don't see any reason why they would lie about like that he's healthy coming into 2023. So, yeah, there's no um, value to overinflating how healthy they perceive him to be. I think if they're in, they're in. Yeah. Um, now, will the hamstring, you know, do you think that'll make him tentative on the bases at all? He was three for seven, which is terrible. You had him for nine steals. I got him for eight. So again, we're in lockstep there. Again, it has to be those SGP factors that I have tweaked a little bit that has our dollar values different because we have a damn near equal projection mm-hmm. here. Um, are, are, should we be more concerned and lower that even more from the 12 that, India had in 2021, or do you think eight and nine is uh, is pretty reasonable? I think eight and nine feels reasonable. I mean, I guess we, I guess I could get a little bit more conservative on India's stolen base potential, um, considering you know the lower half injuries and you know maybe the team doesn't want him to run as much. Uh, I'll think about that. I could probably drop him to six. And, and well, we're in line with the bat and steamer. Uh, okay. Steamer has nine. The bat has eight. So we're right there with them too. Um, and they do theirs, you know, with with machine, and we just do ours with our dumb brains. So our brains are machines. Our brains are freaking machines. I They're am the machine. <laughs> Remember Take the, my shirt off and do the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna become the machine. Um, is the market missing Brandon Lau's potential rebound, or are we too high? We both have him tenth, uh, and the market has him fourteenth. Not a crazy split, but definitely a value where it would look like that we will probably end up with some Brandon Lau shares. Uh, yes. 
sell me on that though because the back I, and again i'm with you so i'm playing devil's advocate oh, no, on I, our own you, you asked me two questions so oh yeah and then you answered, yes, yes sorry yes sorry. saying yes to both of them um, but, um we're, we're probably too high and, and the market is probably so uh, it was a back well. issue right which is always concerning and another mm -hmm. similar to india's laos back issue caused him two different il stints but all the reports are positive similar it to wasn't a structural back issue which exactly is why i'm more uh, open to taking him in a draft if this was a if this was like a herniated disc or exactly. some sort of fracture i would be probably out on lao and tampa um, bay's been positive in the offseason saying he's having a normal offseason yeah. everything seems good so i feel comfortable to kind of get him back on track maybe not another 42 or 39 bombs that he had in 2021 but neither of us put him that high i got him for 30 you put lao for 26 so yeah, I, just, I felt I, like I was actually being somewhat conservative on him, mm -hmm. uh, considering like I'm I'm a big Brandon Lau guy and have been in the past. Uh, but I just uh, to me, not him not finishing the season on on the field um, meant it was going to be like I, I had to play just a little bit more conservatively. Yeah, we didn't want to get too too drunk on him. This podcast has been very pro Brandon Lau. In, in recent years, but I still think he's somebody that can bounce back very nicely uh, with that power. You know, the batting average is never great, but uh, that 247 was a good bit off the 247 from 2021 when he, when he hit 39 homers, he had been 270, the, the two samples before that in 2019 and 20 uh, when he hit 270. So I wonder if maybe there's even a tinge of batting average upside for Brandon Lau with the shift alterations too. Could be. Yeah. Neither of us projected him for that. We have him hitting 243 for me and 244 for you. So maybe there's even a little bit more upside there for Brandon I, Lau. There's also, like, I think when you draft a guy like Lau, you need to know that there is a massive upside and also a massive downside. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, he could easily, like, get into a strict platoon at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, Tampa Bay has a ton of just random infielders. Uh, that if they want to kind of Isak try to Paredes is yeah. right there, ready to ready to be yeah. the perfect platoon for for a while. So I think you have to know kind of what you're getting to. I think the deeper the league, the more likely you should probably stay away from Brandon Lau, uh, just because there is so much downside. And we've talked about second base just not being very fun this year. So there won't be waiver wire um, replacement value in deeper formats. Yeah, like. There's a there's a glob of a bunch of blandness. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to spike a gem if you did lose Lau for a bunch of playing time again, the way he was lost this past year. Uh, let's move on to Whit Merrifield. Do you think Toronto will let him run regularly enough to regain his value, especially at age 34 this year? Um, he hit fine with them. I think it's kind of underrated how well he hit when he went to Toronto. 281, 323, 446 with five homers in 130 plate appearances. Consider that Merrifield hit six homers in 420 with KC. So he seemed to like his new park, his new setup and all that. But he was one for three on the bases. They put a hard red light on him. So I think I know your answer. Uh, and I'm more giving you the opportunity to expound on that. But uh, what, what do you think the chances are that they let him run again and let Whit Merrifield become a premier base stealer uh, at age 34 in Toronto? Very, very small chance that they let That's him do that. Because uh, that robs I, his fantasy value. Yeah, I have him for 12 stolen bases, and even that felt aggressive after what they did 
uh, to him once he got to Toronto. Look what they did to my boy. Yeah. Not only did they pretty much stop letting him run, um, especially because I believe like the one stolen base he did get was on August 6th. So we're talking like super early after the trade. Um, you know, it was like the th- yeah, his third game with Toronto. Um, they also started batting him seventh, eighth, and ninth. He wasn't yep. like a leadoff guy anymore, or and he won't be this two year. And he, he's not going to be this year. So, um, are they really going to let him run in front of like Bouchette and Vladdy and stuff like that when he does get on base? I I don't believe that to be the case. And so, like I said, I feel like the twelve I did project him for is actually kind of aggressive. That's tough. Um, I mean, I put him for 18 and you got me thinking about lowering that because yeah, one for three, obviously we're not going to extrapolate that for, you know, 550 plate appearances, but they don't run a ton. And, you know, Bichette had that amazing year in 2021, by the way, there was a fantastic article about uh, Bo Bichette's wheels on the front page today uh, by um, Leo Morgenstern and just covering all the little things. And it wasn't one single thing. There was not a single smoking gun. So I encourage you to read the article. It seems like just a lot of little pieces of his running game added up in natural regression from being 25 for 26 the year before added up to him going 13 for 21. Uh, George Springer led the team with 14 steals last year. This is just not a team that wants to run because they don't need to. When you have this many sluggers, like why are you going to give up potentially outs on the bases? Which is crazy to me. So, you know, he was traded August 1st or, or you know, July 31st and played August 1st in Toronto, Merrifield did, uh, and then played the rest of the season. And like I said, he, he went, what, th- uh, one for one for three? One for one three. For, yeah. yeah, one for the young base pass. Vlad Guerrero Jr. went six for eight <laughs> during that time. He's like, wait, let me show you how it's done, bro. And he's yeah. just taken off. That's crazy. Yeah, he uh Vlad was third on the team with those eight eight total steals, six for eight down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Santiago Espinal had six, but he was six for twelve. That's the thing, too. They had a lot of guys that didn't have great success rates, and they just you don't want to give up outs. Like you said, with Bichette yeah. and Guerrero coming up, you know, um, if he does bat lower in the order, he being with Merrifield. They don't want to give up those outs with Springer, Bichette, and Vlad there. So I totally see that. I think I'm going to shave a couple extras off there and get down to closer to 14, 15, and that'll move him down. But you had him 32 with your projection. I have him 16. Um, so there are definitely some concerns with what Whit, with what Whit Merrifield can do. Does the Evan Longoria signing not worry you about your boy, Josh Rojas, who you have as the 20th? second baseman, which essentially matches the ADP market, 19th. But I am 35th. I am concerned. Uh, are you not concerned? Because Longo, when healthy, is good. And he's definitely going to eat up those lefty plate appearances. Do you worry that he eats up some of the righty ones because of his defense? Because uh, Rojas is bad at defense. Um, Yes and no. I definitely think he will eat up some of those third base at bats. But I also think Rojas is going to play other places. I think, That's I think a good Ro- point. You know, I mean, how many games are really projecting for Kettle Marte? Hey, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk moment. about that in a moment. <laughs> Kettle Marte fans, you might want to tune out. It's not going to yeah. be good for y'all. Uh, you know, I mean, so he'll, you know, probably play some, you know, the shortstop. He'll play some outfield. He'll play some first base. I think he's going to play all over the place. They want that bat in the lineup. Like, mm-hmm. they, especially against I, righties. Yeah, I know that they do not like his defense, and nobody does, including Josh Rojas. But they want Rojas' bat in the lineup. I think he's going to find his way to a 450, 
maybe even 500 plate appearances and, and offensively be fine. It may be a little bit ugly, but that's okay for fantasy because he'll likely pick up eligibility at other places throughout the season. So, um, I, you know, it is what it is. Like I, I'm, this is me being disappointed in what I see as playing time. So, uh, imagine if we could guarantee him 600 plate appearances, oh, what the projection would have looked like. He would be right behind Tyro Estrada for you, absolutely. If not, yeah, actually, ahead of Tyro, he would be tied right, with yeah. Altuve and Semyon. Never mind. Yeah, that's, that's the real answer. Alex Chamberlain would, lo- would love to hear that. So He would you know, be the first round second baseman. Uh, the, yeah, the one, because there aren't any right now. You would make Josh Rojas the first round guy. He does qualify for second and third right now. That's why yeah. we're talking about him here. He is penciled in to be the third base starter, at least on the strong side of the platoon. Um, speaking of Arizona, we gave you a fair warning. If you are a Cattell Marte fan, you're not mm-hmm. going to like to hear what Justin has to say about him. Don't put this on me. I have him 12th among second basemen. I'm not even super high on him. But Justin, I, please tell me how he hurt you and your family that made you rank him 29th at a negative value based on your projection. He's worth – he's taken – 45 cents out of your pocket. You're giving him 14 homers, five steals, a 261 average, 69 runs, which is nice, and 55 ribs. I can't say I don't get it at all because I understand the concerns, but expound on your concerns with Cattell Marte because that is a tough, tough spot. And I'll just say before you answer that the market has him as the 20th second baseman. So I'm pretty high relative to the market. You are actually closer uh, or no, you're actually nine spots different. I'm eight spots different, but I'm eight spots to the high end. But give us the rundown of uh, of why you have some concerns on Cattell Marte, because that means you're not drafting him, really, if you've got yeah, him. No. If, if you are a Cattell Marte apologist, this is the year to draft him, because you're never going to get him at a cheaper price than he's probably going this year. I mean, except for next year, because <laughs> all he does is get injured. That's the unfortunate part. Like, I love Del Marte as a um, abstract idea, right? Like, I, he he has some pop in that bat. We've seen it before. We know he is fast as hell, even though he never seems to he run. He refuses to run, though. Yeah. Um, when he is healthy, they bat him high up in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a improving lineup that I think is going to be uh, much better offensively this year. Um, everything is set up for Cattell Marte to make me look silly. However, there is one skill that he does not possess at this point in his career, and that's the ability to stay on the field. And at the end of the day, you have to play. Um, if I knew he was going to run, like, and I was like, okay, well, he may not play a ton, but he'll go 14-14. Like, then he's like, okay, he's going to be you know inside the top 20, probably ahead of teammate Josh Rojas, right? But I can't do that. Like, there's no, like, you look at steamers and the bat and uh, and depth charts, like projections, and you go, well, they have him for 585 plate appearances. He has done that once in his career, and that was in 2019. What's surprising about that is projection systems, the automated ones, you know, they're notoriously conservative, right? They, yeah. they, they don't want to go too far. But yeah, I, I see that here that they have him at 585, 616 for steamer. And I'm wondering, like, how? Like you said, wh- where where's that coming from exactly? That's I gave the part him pretty that I much get. I gave him pretty much the his line from last year. Like, I mean, it's not that much difference. It's like three plate appearances higher. Um, it's a couple more home runs, uh, and you know, same amount of stolen bases. 
and a better batting average, like a better triple slash. Um, he's just not very good because he can't stay healthy. Like it, that I'm, is concerning. I mean, he was a, a essentially a league average bat last year. Cattell Marte had a 102 WRC plus, 12 homers, five steals in his 558 plate appearances. Yeah, like, he actually he had played and Like, I mean, and so at this point, like, you're either gonna get like the he's good but he's hurt, or he's not hurt and he sucks. And like, I don't want either of those guys for you know. So as much as it pains me, because I no one was a bigger. Marte fan than I was when he was Tanzola coming up was. from the minor. Don't, oh, yeah, don't you dare. Tanzola. Don't you dare. Tanzola uh, was. Very few people were as big of a fan as me uh, as Marte when he was first coming up from the minor leagues in Seattle. Uh, but at some point, like, you have to just cut your losses. And I'm cutting my losses on Cattell Marte. Okay. I mean, like I said, I can't say I don't understand the points that you have about the the health concern, and I have long given up on him running. I only have him for four stolen bases. My projection, by the way, for why I have him so strong is the 276 batting average. I got him rebounding and batting average, uh, 18 homers along with that. But you have but, him for less plate less plate appearances than I do. I know, I know. That's the crazy part. So I'm having higher impact in in oh, smaller wait, no, no. time. No, how many do you have? I have like 550. Oh, 555. Yeah, we have 22 different. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, obviously, I have him higher than the market, 12th rank with a 2080p. I don't know if I'm going to be that aggro on him, though. So, I might want to adjust that and make it a little bit more conservative because this does feel like a high end outcome. Similar to my Muncie one, I think I've kind of given him the upper crust. And I don't think, by the way, unless the rabbit ball comes back, 2019 is not his upside like i i don't really think that's the case i think he was a big time rabbit ball uh benefactor there or no wait that's beneficiary right i always make like i don't i don't even think in a healthy season he's hitting 20. yeah yeah um i think he could get like if he if he found 600 plus plate appearances again i think Marte could uh it's beneficiary benefactor is the person who gives the money i'm stupid yeah anyway moving on better breakout bet and we're waiting on these guys now especially the first guy i'm going to say gavin lux uh, or bryson stock you like both a lot versus adp we both have them essentially back to back i have them 18 stock lux 20 you have um lux 13 stock 14 the market has them back to back too at 22 and 23 so each pocket is essentially back-to-back, but a little bit different. You're on the high end, I'm in the middle, Goldilocks, and then the market is a bit lower. It seems like you like both a bit, but who's your favorite between Lux and Stott? And obviously don't just say Lux because you have them 10 cents higher or whatever. Give us some insight into what you really think these two can do this year, Gavin Lux and Bryson Stott. I think it's Lux because I have them 10 cents higher. I hate you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I it is Lux for me. Um, one, I think he has a better opportunity to not bat like last in the Dodgers lineup because the back half of the Dodgers lineup is so bad. We've been torching the Dodgers these last two pods. Which as, is tough as to do. Should, I know, though, but it's tough like, to do. They're usually like an unimpeachable squad as far as their their lineup, but it, it is problematic. If, if, you're a, if you're a Dodgers lover, go listen to the FWFB pod. Um, that I did with uh, Matt Davis. We we um, it is the longest of the previews that I that I've done so far. It was an hour hour and twenty minutes. It was just so much fun, um, and we gush over Gavin Lux. 
um, in that. I think Gavin Lux still has unseen power potential. I know I he's got unseen uh, stolen base potential. And I think now is finally the time the Dodgers just let him go and play. Now, whether that is full-time in center field or full-time in shortstop, um, or if he is just bouncing between positions, I think he's going to get to 600 plate appearances this year. Um, and I think he's going to hit, you know, at least in the middle of that Dodger lineup, if not find his way towards the top of it. Um, and I think he can uh, be like a, a 2020 type guy if things go Lux's way. So mm-hmm. I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Gavin Lux. I think now is the time that he reaches some of that potential may not be the complete breakout this year, but I think there is uh, at least a mini breakout, if not a complete. Yeah. With Lux, he was one of those guys that I gave a pretty modest projection to nothing too crazy. But then in the write-up, I pointed out that, that he does carry strong upside and could even be a 2020 guy. And then I got, uh, I got a question in my chat about it saying, you know, you mentioned that he has 2020, I get the sprint speed or I get the SB upside because of his sprint speed and stolen base success, but where's the power coming from? And my answer to that, not to put this person on blast because it's a totally fair question, but I want to get your thoughts on this. I said one of the downsides of the data era is the inability for us to see growth uh, beyond the numbers, like not just, and it's hard, right? Because you want to have something to verify where the growth is coming from, but sometimes just betting on a player's pedigree. He was badass in the minors. He had a 270 ISO at AAA. I know that's Pacific Coast League. I'm not saying he's going to put up a 270 in the majors. But uh, Lux had a 198 ISO in AA. Like, we've seen the pop from him before. And while his 1,000 plate appearances in the majors is not a nothing sample, he's still kind of establishing himself because that's spread out over, I think, four different seasons. So he hasn't really had... Uh, multiple seasons yet. I, I would say last year is a pretty full season, 471 plate appearances. I usually think 500 is what I would call a full season, but we'll round up and say, okay, last year was his first full kind of uninterrupted season, and even that was still just 129 games. So I'm kind of betting on the come here uh, on a guy that had big-time prospect pedigree, and we've, we've seen what he could do in the minors, and I think that he can still take a big step and it doesn't have to come in the numbers. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that if we don't see some big barrel rate or some big hard hit average. And I wonder if you see that as a, one of the kind of downsides of the heavy data era is that if people can't see it in the numbers, then they just can't see it. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, that the numbers don't catch, cause I was, I was talking to somebody about this recently um, because they were asking me, well, like, why are you doing projections when computers can do them so much quicker and and probably better? Um, and I said, like, not that I, I don't rely on computer projections as well, uh, but I think there are certain things computers miss because they can't think outside the box of their own computer. Yeah, uh, it's whatever you put in. Right? Yeah, like- and I th- think one of the things for Lux that you don't see is the fact that he was asked not to try to swing away at every pitch because he's batting seventh, eighth, and ninth. Almost all the vast majority of his of his plate appearances have been seven, eight, nine. And when you're batting nine in front of Mookie Betts, they don't want you to strike out. They want you to get on base. And so they ask mm-hmm. him to level out his swing uh, and not try to hit over the fence because they don't want to fly out. Uh, so I, I think that you're going to see a different approach too from Lux when he's batting fifth or sixth. Um, or even second, if, or probably not second, but uh, considering they've got Freeman and Betts up there. So 
Yeah. But I think that he's going to have opportunities with men, you know, in scoring position now uh, more often, and he'll be allowed to swing away a little bit more. I mean, he had 60 grade power in the minor leagues. Like th- that hasn't dissipated just because we haven't seen it yet at the major level. And sometimes it takes these guys a few years to kind of exactly. grow into that. Power, and Gavin Lux so. isn't old either, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not some no. ancient dude. He's about to be 25. And another thing too, because I, I understand the same uh, question about like, why are we doing these when we could just run the numbers on something for me? It's like when I'm doing rankings, I'll, I'll rank the guys kind of how I feel. And mm-hmm. then I'll be challenged on somebody. And I'll say, I think he has these numbers. And then if you put those into a calculator and you realize that should have him seven ranks higher or seven ranks yeah. lower, I basically wanted to check myself. Yeah, right. That, that, that's the reason I'm doing it as well. It's so like, that, that was another big part of it with uh, with doing them by hand and we're really going through and inputting them. I'm pulling up like uh, fan graphs, uh, Savant, B-Ref, uh, news pages. Like I'm going deep on damn near every single player, uh, like 50 deep at every position, except for obviously outfields and starting pitcher goes deeper and really getting in there and seeing how I feel about guys. Um, and it's not that I don't respect the the projections. Those, those are great. In fact, they're a foundation too. I still check myself against them. And even if I disagree, it doesn't mean I automatically change it, but I say, okay, now I'm higher than the bat on this guy, or I'm much lower than the bat on this guy. And that's okay. So it's been a process. And we also have the luxury to be able to do that because it's our job. Not everybody that has a nine to five and a family. And I know you have a family, you got kids and everything too, but like this is your nine to five. So you can spend this extra time on it. I know not everyone can do that. That's where having all the projection sets is great because then they can just say, hey, I'm a bad X fan. I'm a steamer fan. I'm an ATC fan. And they can use the projection sheet that they like. Let's continue on. I'm going to try to sell you on raising Luis Urias's runs and ribbies because I think you sold him short. And that's the biggest okay. difference in our uh, projection here. I've got him 14th. You have him 26th. You're tied with the market, though. So I'm I'm high here. That's why I got to do the selling. I can't make you, uh, you know, tell me why you got him low because you're with everyone else. You put him for 67 and 63 runs ribbies, respectively, for Luis Urias. He's a triple eligible guy, which that doesn't have anything to do with your runs and ribbies. That's part of why I like him. I get him a little extra juice. But he wasn't, uh, he went 75, 77, or 77, 75 runs ribbies in 2021 with 570 plate appearances. You got him for 605 this year. I got him for 614. I basically had him repeating that. I went 76, 74. You only put him for 67, 63. Is it Urias that's the problem? Or is it uh Milwaukee that's the problem? Because I want to get your answer and then I will respond in kind. Um, I think it is more Milwaukee and where they're going to hit him in the lineup. Um, he batted like seventh, uh, you know, more often than anywhere else last year when previously he let off a bunch for the Brewers. He so- did, but it was only 31 games in 2021. It was still um, five, six, seven, eight, where he put up 14, 38, 24, and 21 games respectively. So he still did a lot of his work down there. And the thing of it is, too, I'm not even projecting him to, to beat – the runs ribbies from 2021, despite more plate appearances. Um, and I, I think that that's a sneaky lineup to improve. 
I kind of like some of the things that they've done, getting Contreras, uh, getting Winker, who I hated when he moved out of Seattle or moved from Cincy to Seattle, but now I like him again moving to uh, Miller or whatever the fuck they're calling it now. It's not <laughs> called that. It's some other insurance dumbass yeah. name. But going to Milwaukee, it's not as good as Cincy. Few things are. Coors is really the only place that is, but it's a much better place than um, uh, Seattle is. And so, you know, Yelich, Adamas, Telez, Contreras, Winker, Urias, even if he is batting five, six, seven again, I think he can get to the high 70s or mid 70s of both projections. Uh, while you have him at 67, 63, not egregious. And again, you're with the market, but I think maybe you can bump him up six, seven a piece over there, at least get him a little bit higher. And that probably wouldn't get you all the way up to 14 where I've got him, but I think you might be selling uh, Luis Urias just a little bit short. Yeah, and maybe. I will look at it for sure. I'm, and I can't I'm, roll my R's, so I'm trying to pronounce the name properly, folks, but give me a break. I just I can't roll my R's, but I know yeah, it's like I can't, I can't I'm, I'm too white. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, I've just i tried. I just My tongue is just not capable of R rolling. What format, if any, are you drafting 2022 standout and league winner John Birdie in? None. None. Me neither, dude. We fucking trashed him in our projections. 88 games for me, 81 for you. And it's like, I'm not trying to do it to be mean. Well, and a lot of those games, too, are like single plate appearance or zero Check-ins, yep. Him coming in for one one yeah. plate appearance. Yeah, or, or him just coming in as a defense replacement or a pinch runner or whatever. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I want the next John Birdie. I don't want last year's. So. Exactly. He's 27th, which isn't even crazy, right? When he yeah. when you lead the league in steals, um, you know, credit to the market for not super overreacting to that and having him be like a top 20 second baseman or something crazy. Um, it, I everyone gave else him 32 steals too. I know, but that's the thing. We still gave him like a decent total. And he's like, still a negative player like because. That's- he doesn't hit for average either, though. Like you would think, like the slappy speedster would have some I, I batting had him average. For more stolen bases than runs and RBIs. That is hilarious. What batting average did you give him? Two thirty nine. Yeah, I gave him two forty. So that's the thing. He also doesn't add that. Even if he was an empty average with those steals, even in half a season's worth of games, there might be something. But I, I wouldn't even really draft him, y'all. I, I agree with you. Find this year's version of that. <laughs> Don't go chasing after him. Sorry, John Birdie, you did great last year, but I can't take those steals with me this year. Is the market sleeping on DJ LeMahieu? ADP puts him at the 28th second baseman. You have him 18, I have him 19. Yeah, I think they are. And I think it's probably because he's looked at as kind of an empty average guy, but um, he's he's a run-scoring machine. He's going to bat on top of that uh, Yankees lineup, which is still pretty damn good in a great mm-hmm. ballpark. I don't think the power ever comes back to where it was, but like I still don't think he's a zero there either. So like I think he's a cheap accumulator, which is fine with me, especially multi-position eligible. I think the same exact thing is happening as last year. Roster Resource has him mm-hmm. on the bench. And again, this is not a yeah. dig at, at Jason, but people use Roster Resource. Of course they should. It's brilliant. But it is lowering his price again. And I did not take enough advantage of it last year. Even though I saw it, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I think he's a discount. And I got him like one spot out of all my leagues. I think I'm going to be a lot more in this year because he's even cheaper this time. And listen, I grant that uh, you know things were not perfect for DJ LeMahieu last year. And injuries have become a bit of an issue, uh, You know, 125 games. But he still scored 74 runs in that time. And if he does stay healthy again, like you said, he is an absolute runs machine there. I do think there's something to take advantage of with DJ LeMahieu and triple eligible yet again. Yeah. Um, 
speaking of John Birdie earlier, this is a big reason why he's not going to play is uh, Gene Segura coming in. Is he a sneaky pickup now that he's in Miami? ADP has him as the 25th guy. You and I are dead even at 15 for Gene Segura. What do you think? I mean, as long as he's healthy, like he, I mean, it all comes down to health because he's going to lose some power in Miami as opposed to being in Philadelphia. True. Uh, but he can accumulate the hell out of, you know, some statistics, especially stolen bases. So um, I think the fact that I believe he's going to be healthy, they gave him a two year deal. So it sounds like the, the health all checked out. Um, and then they traded Rojas away. Uh, yeah. which gives him an opportunity to play short or second base as opposed to third base, where I don't think his arm would hold up uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, I like Gene Segura a lot. I think he's just completely overlooked. Yeah, I think he's being lost in the shuffle there with Miami. Um, yes, the park is going to hit the, the power a little bit, as you mentioned, but I don't think it's going to decimate him. And if they make him this year's John Birdie and turn him loose, not that I think he's going to steal 40, but you know, there's no reason he can't get back to the 20s. It's been a while. 2018 was the last time Gene Segura stole 20 bases. Part of that is the missed time, so he does need to stay healthy. And uh, we know that you know if you're not feeling healthy and you're still playing, you just might not run to kind of protect yourself. But I think he could be a nice batting average guy, little sprinkle of pop, decent speed. And even though I don't love that Miami lineup, A, I still think they might trade a pitcher for a big bat to strengthen it a bit. And B, he should lead off. So leading off even in a mediocre to, to poor lineup, you can still get a decent number of runs if he can stay healthy. And the fact is, I think the market gives us our discount to bet on the health because even if it doesn't come through, then we didn't pay, we didn't overpay for him relative mm -hmm. to where we have him. Okay. Jeff Zimmerman, very smart gentleman, has Christopher Morell as a top 40 overall hitter. How? Should we raise him? Are we are we wrong? No, I'm not wrong. And I are, refuse are we the baddies. I refuse to raise him at all. Like I understand probably why like Jeff or other projection systems have him so I uh because there is power and there is speed. Unfortunately, you cannot unlock either of those things if you cannot make you contact with a ball. Contact. <laughs> if he wasn't qualified here, he was not a qualified hitter because he didn't get enough plate appearances. But if he was, he would have had the lowest uh, zone contact rate in the entire majors. And it wouldn't have been particularly close. It would have been over 5% to Josh Donaldson, who was the qualified worst zone oh. contact guy in the majors. Uh, yeah, his zone contact was 69% last year. That's that not is nice. Atrocious. That's 80, not nice. Around 85%, 84%, 85 85% is league average. So we're talking about like drastic that's huge uh, like you know he had a massive swing strike rate last year like he swings outside the zone too much he 18 percent swing strike rate last year like that that like if you do like the quick dirty math that's like projecting a 36 percent strikeout rate like you that's just can't do that and stay in the majors and the cubs added to this offense they didn't add like yeah great players or anything but they added enough is. where they don't have to like push him at the top just because he's mm -hmm. the, the guy that, in fact even last year when um in the second half by the way which they were kind of a sneaky decent team in the second half people might not realize that the cubs weren't too bad down the stretch and they added like you said and they moved christopher morell to nine 
He they mm-hmm. gave him a shot at the one spot. It did not work. He had a 305 OBP, and you can't you can't do that. You got to be like 325 at, at like the low. Really, 330 is what you want as a minimum. Uh, 325 you can kind of sneak. 305 is not cutting it. He goes down to nine, 294 OBP mm-hmm. as the nine hitter. So he just doesn't get on base enough. Um, I get the power and speed, but this feels like a. Um, uh, a dwindling Carlos Gomez, like not, not even Pete Carlos Gomez. This feels like when Carlos Gomez was kind of coming down, um, this is what Christopher Morel feels like. So I don't know, you know, Jeff's projections uh, usually do very well. He is a brilliant fantasy player, but I was stunned when I saw him that yeah, high. I no really way. was. And we'll, we'll ask him to, uh, to defend himself on that. And we are not going to, we're not going to talk behind his back out of school here. I'm sure he has a reason, but I wonder if he's going to make an, uh, a manual adjustment there and move him down. All right, let's finish off with one last thing. You do have three Luises in a row, including the aforementioned Urias, but you also have Luis Garcia and Renjifo right next to each other with Urias. Who's the better bet between Garcia and Renjifo for a big breakout season? Um, For a big breakout season? Yeah. I'm going to say Renjifo. Okay. Just because I do think there is – a possibility he could lead off for the Angels. And if he does lead off in front of Taylor Ward and Mike Trout and Choi Otani, like that is like a real high upside play. That'd um, be high. Whereas I like Luis Garcia a lot, but I don't think that he has a massive ceiling. So no, and especially in that lineup too, right? Because at yeah. the at the end of the day, runs ribbies, they do matter. We've seen how much they matter within the projections. You mm-hmm. you give somebody seven to ten runs, they go way up. You take seven, ten away, they go way down. And like my, just... go ahead, I saying, my my projection of Ringifo has him batting ninth. Yes, um, mine too, which was cautious on, on him. But if he does move his way back up, then you could see more from Renhifo. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you're going for an upside play, which I think at that point you should, you probably leave Renhifo. And he was an interesting waiver find in the second half, hitting for yep. some interesting pop. And that lineup could be sick to the point actually where even if he is batting seven, eight, nine, there might be some juice there. But especially yeah. if he were to somehow, if they moved him up and they said, okay, we're going to trust you at the one, and we go uh, Ward, Trout, Otani, two, three, four. Oh my God, could you imagine how many runs Renhifo would score at that point? That would be yeah. amazing. But even as a lower third, I still think he could have a tinge of upside as well. But he also doesn't get on base a lot. So that's part of the yeah. problem. 294 OBP. If we're going to hammer Morel for that, we have to hammer Renhifo. But he doesn't strike out all the time either. He has a 16% strikeout rate, which is very good. If he pops a better Babip, he was at 285 last year. If he's more in the low to mid 300s, then all of a sudden Renhifo's OBP is taken care of by his batting average and he gets into that 320 range that I was talking about. And that's perfectly suitable for the 789 spot. So I do like him. And I do want pieces of the Angels lineup. And Renhifo did lead off almost every single game he played from mid-September on. Mm-hmm. However, they were also missing everybody. So it's hard True. to know. Yeah. True. That, yeah, that's the tough part. Uh, but, hey, those guys all do still have some injury concerns. And unless they lose yeah. all of them, like, you know, I hope this doesn't happen because I'm very big on Taylor Ward this year. But if he got hurt again and they slotted Renhifo up and they go Renhifo, Trout, Otani – that's runs galore. So yeah. um, I do agree with you there. Luis Garcia did show some things, and he is an mm-hmm. interesting prospect who they've essentially trusted to learn on the job. He doesn't have that much minor league time, and they are they're kind of ha- keeping him up 
Uh, he's only 23 this year, and he has 763 plate appearances as a major leaguer so far. So he's interesting in a deep league, like an NL format, but the upside is a little bit limited just because he doesn't have super fantasy skills, right? Like he could have a good batting average, but I think what's what's a real upside this year? Like 20 homers, five yeah. steals? Yeah, so it's like, like it's that. it's good for NL, but that's really it. So I yeah. agree with you on Renhifo. But that's the keystone. It's um, There's a lot of middling depth right I, I think it's deep in the middle there for your deeper leagues but if you're in a shallow format you better get in on probably those top five or six or else yeah you're gonna unless you're gonna commit to streaming and just trying to play hot hand mm -hmm. because otherwise um it's it's not great and there's not a lot of upper end talent i really want to walk away with one of like my top 10 like i i, I agree you know like I, if i if i don't walk away with one of my top 10 i've probably made a mistake somewhere Yep. Uh, it's an interesting position. I'll be eager to see how people play it. And like you mentioned at the outset, some of these guys at the top, like Simeon and Altuve, could maybe even trickle down a little bit further when the pitching starts to rise, at least in the NFBC format, which I know not everyone plays, but we, we definitely play it. And that could make those two even a bit more appealing. So we yeah. will keep tabs on that. Uh, all right. I hope you have a great weekend. You're going to be watching any NFL playoffs? I'll probably watch a little bit, but yeah, it's a second my, my, kind of thing. my Washington sucks. Commanders, whatever their names are, Crapmanders. Yeah, they they did exactly what I said they would do, which is do just good enough to not make the playoffs, but screw their draft spot. So it's just it's it's amazing to be a Washington area sports fan. It's tough. My Lions missed too, but at least we ruined the Packers. Season. Yeah, that was fun. That was we could fun. at least get a little something at the end, mm -hmm. and that was pretty great to send them home if yeah. we had to go home too. So, all right, we'll still be working on projections in in, in the meantime this weekend, and then on Monday uh, we'll get into. You want to do hot corner or shortstop? Uh, let's do hot corner. I think that's right. a more interesting position. We'll go third, and then we'll move into shortstop on Friday. But until then, Justin, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.